0: Jesus, we love you so much. You are so good, God. You're so worthy, Lord. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our devotion. You're worthy of our love. You are the only one worthy. We set our eyes on you right in this moment. You are the worthy one, the only one found worthy. You're the holy one, the only one found holy, perfect, spotless, Lamb of God. There is no one like you. All praise is due your name, Jesus. All glory and honor is due to your name, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you today, Jesus. You are so good. Flood our hearts this morning with your beauty and your majesty and your glory. God, I pray that every other lesser thing would fade away in the light of the beauty and glory of your face. Make your face shine upon us this morning in Jesus name. We ask for a spirit of wisdom and understanding and light. For our hearts and our minds, in Jesus' name, that we would be transformed by your Spirit in this room this morning that we would experience the change and touch of the spirit of the living god in a real experiential way that far surpasses knowledge and mere mere understanding mental ascent, but that would drop into our hearts and produce transformation today in jesus name that you would set people on the trajectory of a new life in you that you have god i pray that you would breathe on the fire in each person's heart in this room in this building god would you breathe on the flames of our heart in jesus name that we would be consumed with all that you are In Jesus' name, amen. I'm done. I'm going to take off my shoes. I hope that doesn't bother anybody. And if it does, I'm 10 weeks pregnant, so there. (laughs) And I just got my master's degree, so I can do whatever I want. Uh, several weeks ago, Sean and I were talking as I had finished my degree, and I was super excited because it is a ton of work. It's a ton of work, and it's just a relief to be done that, that part of um, life. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be more coming, but as we were talking, the Lord actually dropped a word in my heart for this community um, so specifically, so directly, so I'm kind of excited for what he's going to Touch each one of us with. It's touched me. It's impacted me as I've studied it. We're going to be in First Peter. But I want to start by saying, and this is going to sound intense, but anyone who knows me knows I'm intense. I'm just that type of person. That's who God made me to be. Um, but there is a great dilemma in the Western church. And I'm gonna be talking about the Western church because I'm part of the Western church. We're part of the global church, but experientially I'm part of the Western church and you are as well. This, we, we understand we've been part of it and experienced it. And there's a great dilemma in the Western church today. And that dilemma is that we believe in Jesus you know, it's, it's okay. I feel okay saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. He's real. He's the son of God. Yeah, I can say that. We even happily receive him as savior in our lives. He's redeemed me. And I don't think we even are beginning to understand the extent of what that means, but we receive him as that He's set me free and he set you free from the bondage of sin. And I read, I receive him as savior in my life and say, thank you, God. Kind of like some of the songs we're singing today, he, uh, the enemy's been de- defeated. Sin has been totally, the power of sin has been broken for all time. And because of the blood of Jesus, he's worthy of all praise. But the dilemma is that we stop there and we're content to live in this place of saying, I believe in Jesus and He's Savior, Redeemer of my life, and has set me free from the bondage of sin. And we stop short of making Him Lord of our lives. And that's a massive dilemma because when Jesus becomes Lord of your life, the world will begin to change around you. Every single thing inside of you, in your relationships, in your family will change. And it's what Sean was talking about before. We're in a society that is just filled with humanism and self-centered thinking. And many of us have even received a gospel that's so focused on me and what I can receive and how I can get from God and what can he do for me. And when he doesn't do for me what I think that he should be doing, I become offended, disillusioned, disappointed, depressed, and angry at God. And then I begin to wrestle with God and my whole Christian walk is then spent wrestling with God instead of wrestling with principalities and strongholds and spiritual places, which is what we're called to be doing. And I'm spending then this energy wrestling with God, wrestling with truth, because it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about what God can do for me. The result of this is self-centered wrestle is that we lose hope, become disillusioned. Like I said, it produces a victim mindset when we take the stance and say, well, no one understands what I'm going through. No one could understand what I've been through. So it's just me and Jesus. It's just what Jesus can do for me. And we are making God in our own image, and that's a terrifying place to be. That is a terrifying place to be. We need a fresh dose, baptism of the fear of the Lord. For real. Truly. In, in Peter's first letter... In 1 Peter, he's writing to a bunch of Christians that have been persecuted. They're in great suffering because of their faith. Incredible suffering. They've been spread out all across the Roman Empire. And Peter's writing them as an apostle in the church, one who establishes the church and the churches, just like Paul and, and the other disciples became apostles. He's writing them to encourage them in their fight of faith, and in their persecution. He's writing them to remind them that they have a new identity in Christ. These are just kind of the big strokes of the letter. He's, he's, he's reminding them, you're new, you're in a new family. You've been made completely new. How many times do we need to be reminded that we've been made completely new? Because the lie of the enemy is constantly that we're not. Right? So Peter's reminding the church, you've been made new. That's an encouragement. He's reminding them, Jesus also suffered like your are suffering. And, and look, he's now exalted to the highest place. Your suffering is not without great purpose. He's encouraging them. He's encouraging them that their suffering is producing something of great value in them. Which is the love of Jesus that chooses to serve and submit to those who are in leadership who might even be evil and the ones who are persecuting them? I mean, you read the letter, he's saying, submit yourself to all governments. The governments was who was persecuting these Christians. That suffering, he's saying, this suffering's producing the love of Jesus in you that produces a different response to those who reject you, to those who attack you, to those who push back against you. It gives suffering, gives us opportunity to love our enemies. And and Peter's saying, and that this way of life will be a witness to the watching world. That the world around us, he's saying the world around you, Christians in the Roman Empire, the world around you is going to see you suffering and persecuted and choosing to love and choosing to serve and choosing to preach the gospel. And they're going to say, what is so different? How, How are they doing that? What is so different about them? It's a witness. And I believe a key instruction in this passage in this whole letter that Peter gives to the believers is found in chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there if you'd like. 1 Peter three thirteen through 15. He says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. How often do we hear that message? If you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. And this is the key. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. The key to standing in any and every season of our Christian walk in the Lord is to sanctify Jesus as Lord in your life, that I don't get to dictate what I'm going to do or what I'm not going to do or where I'm going or where I'm not going to go. Jesus is Lord of my life and He gets to say where I go and He gets to say where I don't go. He gets to say what I do and He gets to say what I don't do because He's not just Savior Redeemer. He's not just some God I believe in. I've sanctified Him as Lord in my heart and it doesn't matter anymore if I feel good about what he says is true, his truth is working stuff out of me that should not be there. And so I submit myself to him. And I'm telling you, that's not always just some easy, wonderful process. And that's why we stop short of it. Because we say we believe he's Redeemer, praise God, I can worship when I think of him as just setting me free from my sin. But what about when he tells you to do things you don't want to do initially? Or to go places you don't want to go? Are you still skipping around saying, Praise the Lord, he's so worthy? What if he says, no, you're not supposed to be in that relationship? Hello, he told me that many times. Praise God. Today I say praise God because I'm married to a great man. Not that the others weren't great, but (laughs) praise God. Praise God that he said, nope, 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 nope. (laughs) And I submitted to him. And I listened and it was painful. There were seasons of weeping. This is even part of my journey of going through school. When I was 18 years old, I was just graduated high school. I had been accepted into a school in Ohio scholarship. I was going to go, I was filling out my classes I, was, I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was filling out my classes in my dad's house. And all of a sudden, I, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And this is extremely important. It's, this is relationship with God. He speaks to us. When You make him Lord of your life, he's going to speak to you. You start listening to him. He's going to speak to you. I think a lot of times we're like, don't want to listen because we're so afraid of what he's going to say. Right. So I'm like, I don't know. Let me just keep doing my Christian things. He spoke to me and he said, Wesley, you're not going to school. You're going to go to school later. Oh, I'm thinking a year later, two years later. You're going to go to school later. I have this written in my journal at 18 years old. You're going to go to school later. You're going to Street Life Ministries in New York City. And I'm like, whoa, okay. So I tell my dad, me me and my dad get in a big fight. (laughs) Because I'm also unrefined, 18 years old. And I just explode, start blaming him for making me go to school Even though that was my choice. (laughs) I can't believe you've made me do all this. God's telling me to go to street life. Long story short. (laughs) I go to street life ministries. And I had a word from God. He told me to go. This is my submission. You have relationship with God. He tells you to do something. You cling to that word. You don't just go and do what you want to do. Because I'm telling you, when you follow the Lord, you're going to come against uh, suffering, hardship, trial. And if you don't have a word from the Lord, I mean, how many of you have just seen people run from places within a month? Within two months, I got to street life and literally I remember, like it was yesterday, I'm sitting at the dining room table two months in, holding the table, cause I wanted to run outside, call my mom and say, come pick me up, I can't do this. That was how horrible I felt it was. And if I had called my mom, she would have been like, uh, no. <laughs> You committed to being there. That's a good parent. Hello. That's a good parent. I I did not want to stay there. Everything inside me wanted to run because things inside of me were being addressed pride and arrogance, where I literally thought I was better than everybody there. I'm not exaggerating, I'm not lying. And I'm not saying I didn't have sincerity for Jesus. I truly did. I loved Jesus, but I was very immature. And so I get there and I think, whoa, these people have problems. (laughs) No wonder the Lord sent me here. (laughs) It's not even for the lost on the streets. It's for the people in this household, for my roommates. Who need my help desperately. <laughs> I'm not, Joe. That's true. That's true. And then David, van Fleet, who became such a father to me, he began to address things in me. And you know, I got so angry at him. I, in fact, I mean, we've talked about it. He knows. I despised him. Truly. Cause he would call me into his office and say, we need to talk. And I'm like, again, are you kidding me? Is there not anyone else? I mean, I see all the problems around here. Why are you only calling me into the office? He loved me enough to address things, and I had a word from God, and I was determined to make Jesus Lord over my life. I couldn't leave. His word kept me there. And I would go in and I would wrestle with the truth. And that, I mean, I ended up, I committed for two years, and I was, because they were gonna hold my scholarship for school. And I was going to go to school after two years. Instead, at two years, the Lord said, give up your scholarship. You're going to school later. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? You're staying. Oh, no. I stayed over six years at Street Life because the Lord said, stay until David Van Fleet tells you it's time to go. Which was like an impossibility. I thought he was gonna like choose me to take over the ministry for life. But the time came and God honored it, and David came to me and he said, Are you thinking of leaving? let's pray. And he released me to go. I mean, it was a miraculous God moment, but I chose to not take life in my own hands, control my own decisions, be moved by my own feelings and just run when something got hard. Because suffering produces something in us that's far, has far greater value than me just being content or feeling okay or comfortable for a moment. And it requires so many, so much of the time it requires staying. It requires listening. You can stay and not listen. Listen. You could be told the same thing over and over again and say, uh, I don't think so. They don't really know me. You could be, t- I mean, the Bible says it's foolish to reject counsel. Only a fool rejects counsel. When you've been, it actually calls you stupid. It calls me stupid in Proverbs 11 for rejecting Instruction. It says you're stupid. Only someone who's stupid rejects instruction and correction. And for some reason, those things don't settle down in because we've embraced a humanistic, self-centered gospel that is all about me feeling comfortable and doing whatever I feel best in my life, living my truth, living your truth, whatever that might be. Just you do you and I'll do me and we'll all be happy. That's the greatest lie in our culture today. And there's very few in the church at large in the Western hemisphere, in the Western church, there are very few that I know that say yes, no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost, you tell me to give my home away, to sell it, to move, to give my car away. Jesus, you have my everything from the smallest yes to the biggest yes. You are Lord of my life. You're not just my friend. You're not just my brother. You're not just my father, which are incredible relationships that he invites us to. But he is Lord And Peter says, sanctify him as Lord in your heart. Set him apart. Honor him as Lord in the very center of your being. Do you remember in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart above all other things for out of it flows. The springs of life If Jesus is not sanctified as Lord in the center of your heart, where all the springs of life flow, things are going to dry up. Things are going to get murky and muddy. And that's where disillusionment starts. And that's where disappointment grips you, overcomes you. Depression takes over. And that's when we start to exchange truth for lies. And we even come into great deception slowly because I've rejected Jesus as Lord and want him only to be what I want him to be in my life. I don't think any one of us here today would say, yeah, that's me. I just want him to be what I want him to be. But the, the, what we have to do is examine our lives Is my life demonstrating the yes? Is my life demonstrating that Jesus is Lord? Can people see, not just hear in my words? Not just read what I post on Facebook and go, whoa, what revelation? I could care less what kind of revelation anyone posts on Facebook. If your life does not exemplify someone who says Jesus is Lord and everything is affected. My family, my relationships, every step that I take. If you want to make it through. If you want to make it through, you must. That's what Peter's saying. You're in great suffering. You're in great persecution. And they were suffering for righteousness. A lot of times we're not suffering because of righteousness. We're suffering because of sin. We've made agreement with sin. We've made bad choices. We haven't submitted to the lordship of Jesus. We're doing our own thing. And then we suffer and say, oh, God, I must be such a great Christian. I'm just suffering so much. There's a major difference. I think of when I went, when God called me to Haiti, I had been living in in Brazil. The Lord called me to Haiti. I knew nobody there. I had been there on one trip before. I didn't speak the language. And he said, you're moving to Haiti. Can you imagine I said, Jesus, I don't know one person there. I don't speak Creole. I have no idea. That I don't want to go there. That place is hard. I was only there for two weeks, and I like overseas missions. <laughs> like I, I'm someone who that's like what I've lived for. And I'm like, this place is hard. I want to do that. He said, You're going. And I had all my questions. I had all my excuses. And I said, Lord, give me confirmation here, 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 and here. And he said, he said so clearly, I was in the airport. I head back to Brazil. He said, Wesley, my sheep hear my voice and they recognize it. And another voice they will not follow. And I thought, oh, I know this is your voice. You've spoken to me many times before. And in that moment, I decided I'm going back to Haiti. That was October of 2012. And on March 2013, I was on a flight back to Haiti And I did a ton of different things there. And and during my time there, the Lord spoke to me. Do you do you hear how many times I say the Lord spoke to me? I'm listening. Are you? He'll speak to you just as much as he'll speak to me. Don't think. Well, that's Wesley. Especially with what they all just said, master's degree. She hears no. He will speak to you just as much as you open your ear to him. He is no respecter. He delights to give direction to his children. Delights to. He spoke to me and he said, he, he told me I was gonna be an interim director of this orphanage there on an island. I came home for Christmas. I get back to Haiti. As I get off the plane, I get to this base in the mainland and they go, Wesley, there's a disease that's spreading all across the country right now. You should go home you need to go home. It's really bad. It's called chikungunya. People are getting bitten by mosquitoes. It's causing bone breaking pain in their entire bodies. You need to go home. And I stood there for a moment and I thought, no, Jesus gave me a word. I know that I know that I know that I'm supposed to be here. Like, okay. And so I started making jokes. It was probably too light. I don't know if it's too lighthearted or not. I said, the mosquito's going to bite me and start spreading healing across the island. It's going to be awesome. But no, I I go there and everyone gets the sickness, including me. And I get it the worst of all. And many of you know my story. I end up coming home. I I end up bedridden. and, And doctors are telling me. We don't know if you'll ever get up again. I was in a wheelchair in excruciating pain from my shoulders down. We don't know if you'll ever walk again. This is an unknown disease, no vaccine, no medication to help. We're so sorry. Now, if I had been just doing what I wanted to do, that could be suffering just because of my own choices, right? Oh no, I'm gonna be, you know, it's the mode of the heart. No, I just, I just want to be a missionary. I just want to be seen as a missionary. So I'm going to go to Haiti. Oh, no, I don't care about sickness. There's a flip, That can be a flippant attitude that's born out of your own desire to be or look a certain way. Or it could be in submission to Jesus. And you say, no, he's Lord over my life. So I don't fear anything. And the consequences are up to him. If I get this sickness, it doesn't mean... You know, Jesus calls me to Haiti does not mean that I'm just going to all of a sudden be immune to all the stuff in the country. That's not Christianity. That's not. He's saying, say yes with me. Can you trust me in the process? It was extremely hard. Anyone that knew me, I wept and wept and wept because God wasn't healing me and I was in excruciating pain. Until August 15th of 2015 when he told me to get up and run and he healed me as I went. And many people received healing as a result of that. Could I trust God to suffer for the healing of many more? Do you realize our suffering is not just about us? He was also doing a massive work in my heart. To show me my value apart from what I could physically do for him. Because I was bedridden and could not do one thing. He was working in my heart. But it was so much bigger than that too. Because that's how he is. Can you trust him to say yes. Even if it means hardship, suffering, pain. Because our culture teaches us to run from those things. If your leaders tell you to do something you don't want to do, go find another church. That's what our culture, even our church culture says. Find a place that fits good for you. Do what you want to do. You got to be comfortable. That is such... A lie, it's that humanistic thinking that is not rooted in Jesus as Lord of my life where what he says goes. And only then will I have the capacity to stand no matter what comes my way. Do you think that Tom and I would go from the moment we got married, move to Maine, to this rural town that there's like 2000 people that live there to plant a church that or replant a church that was falling apart, had major issues. Never done that before in my entire life. Do you think that I would have just done that because I'm like, hey, that would be cool. (laughs) Do you think Tom was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to do sign me up. No, but that's the, that's the whole point. So many times we like church planting. It's like, Ooh, I want to go plant a church. That sounds cool. You have no idea what you're talking about. If you don't have a word from God to do that, you will run so fast. Anyone who's been involved in establishing a church knows how hard it is. And so many things that God calls us to do are beyond our capacity, beyond our, our natural ability. Because he's not about us being able to shine and say, wow, look how Wesley is. She's so great. Wow, she has so many talents. No, I've wanted to run from Carmel, Maine. I can't tell you how many times. I'm not great. I'm staying because Jesus is Lord of my life. And he said, go to Maine. And I've not heard, we have not heard one other thing yet. And so we labor in love for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of our love toward the lamb, where we see he has given us all things. He's given his life for us i delight not always i choose to give my life to him no matter what it looks like no matter what it feels like no matter what he says if we could begin to live this life this way as a community of believers the world would be Upside down. Right now. Our communities would be upside down. Our families would be upside down. Things would begin to change. Drastically. There's an invitation. From the spirit of God. To say stop. Playing church. Stop playing. Christianity. Stop Pretending like everything's okay. Go beyond. I believe in Jesus and he's savior. Step into the place of Jesus is Lord. And it might mean, does anyone have two pens quickly that I could borrow? One and one? Yes. Great. So, I use your pen. Thank you. It might mean and require something different in your life. The gospel that we've heard often looks like this. Here's my life. And we say, hey, Jesus loves you so much. He died for your sins. It, it, you know, he wants to set you free from sin, whatever, X, Y, is Z. We say, He you know, he loves you so much. Come invite him into your life. And it's going to be great. It's a false gospel. That is not the fullness of the gospel. It's not even close. And because of this message, we begin to invite him in one activity at a time. We have no idea what it means for Jesus to make us new. So then I add church on Sundays. Because, hey, that's what Christians do, right? So I add church on Sundays. Then I add discipleship group. Then I add prayer. And I'm adding one activity after the other activity. And I'm going to get burnt out. Because Jesus isn't Lord over my life. I'm just doing things. And I'm still wrestling with the fact that I want my life too. So then I'm like, man, so many hours doing these things with Christians. When can I do the things that I want? We've missed the whole message. The message of the gospel is this. Here's your life before God. Get rid of it. Receive the new life of Jesus. Brand new. Die. Die. Your old life dies. It cuts off. It's not even part of you anymore. It's not trying to combine together. It's see you later. I'm shutting the door. And Jesus has made me brand new. And he's Lord of my life. And therefore, it's my delight to obey him. Hey, you want me in the prayer room? Jesus, I would love to come intercede with you. I would love to come sing to you, to pour out my life for you because my life is yours. It's not like, oh, I have to surrender a couple hours. All my hours are his already. If your mindset, if my mindset is, man, do I have to sacrifice another hour? I would challenge the fact that maybe you're still holding on to things in your life that were meant to be given wholly over to the Lamb. And it's not just for special people. I'm telling you that today. It can be for you today. No matter where you are at in your walk with God. You might need to stand up here this morning. We'll have the prayer team come up. You might need to get with someone this morning and say, You know, the gospel I received was self-centered. I just added things. Jesus didn't become Lord. I still reject counsel. I still have great difficulty when someone says anything that I need to fix or change. Because you know that Jesus can change that. He absolutely did in me. I despised correction. And today I receive it. I can't tell you. I mean, the Bible says it's hard when someone corrects you. But it's because he loves you. So with a fresh mindset, it can be, Oof. you know what? I'm going to take that. Lord, is this true? Help me. Change me. Make me like you. I'm laying that aside. The, the people are helping me to see what I can't see. Whatever it might be, maybe you're saying, well, I haven't even, I don't even know. I, I haven't even, I don't, Jesus? Jesus? <laughs> he wants to be Lord and it means a lot more than what we're living today me included and I want more I want more of his lordship in my life I desire it I want to be more given in my 40s in my 50s in my 60s 70s 80s till the day that I die I want to be progressing toward more givenness to the one who I love and the one who has loved me because it is the only thing I am living for. It is the only thing I'm living for. And there's invitation today. Is he the only thing you're living for? Is he the center? Has he been set apart as Lord in your heart, sanctified, sanctified, So that the springs of life flow from his lordship and produce life in you. Proven character, patience, endurance, life, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of hardship. A bright, shining witness to the world of who our God is and what he's capable to do with simple people who say yes broken people who say yes imperfect people who say yes if we could have the prayer team Sean I don't know or Steph if you have anything to add I just want there to be invitation for this today a response because I really believe even for myself that there's do you have something to say? You want to add that?
1: What a word. Who needs a (laughs) band-aid? No band-aids. You're not going to get it. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And you know, the light of Jesus, it's a kindness, right? When we rightly see him, we realize he's often just calling us out of captivity, things that are maybe even permissible, things that are robbing us, uh, and things that are taking away from us walking in that wholehearted place. I know recently, this was such a good word for me this morning, it's these evaluation type words that cause you to settle down your heart and really hear, right, really uh, offer fresh Search me and know me, God. I want everything. We're coming into a new year. It's a a common time where people just take this posture. But recently, actually, was preaching at another church and just minding my own business on a Sunday morning, listening to worship, thinking about what I'm going to share. And the Lord just touched on my heart about a permissible thing. And he literally just said, Noah, that can't go where you're going. And I was like, oh, I like that, though. It's not a bad thing. And I've been wrestling with it for a, a, a little bit here. Just like, is that, you know, just the, the the struggle we go through as humans. Like, it was that you, Lord, touching on that in my heart? Like the rationalization of how we can keep the things that we feel like we want to keep. But he touches and he gently, kindly, he, he draws us with invitation into his heart but the reality is is some of us will say yes and some of us will say no and the choice is ours what we're going to do here i just wanted to make that so clear wesley i'm sure has moments where she said yes and moments maybe where Like me, she's wrestled, maybe like us, has wrestled with some of these areas of laying down even permissible things in our life for Jesus because there is gonna be a day we see him. We're gonna stand before the unveiled face of him and we're going to take an account, it's not the in or out moment. If, if we have faith that he was the only way, that's our salvation. But there's an eternity that we're going to spend with him. And the choices and decisions that we make in this life, they matter for eternity. Not just for this little short moment of lifespan that we have. And that's this fresh sobriety on my heart this morning. That's the fresh fear of the Lord that was imparted. And I just want to encourage you... At, as I'm trying to encourage my own heart, don't resist him when he calls you. Don't try to dull it down. Don't try to rationalize. Don't go here, go here. Maybe you don't see the path forward. Maybe you say, I've said yes to him. Maybe you said yes to him. Maybe you've laid certain things down before him, but you found yourself here this morning saying, how do I have it in my hand again? You freed me, but here I am. But I want to say to you, There's fresh invitation this morning. I want to read this one scripture. 2 Timothy 2, it says, In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. There is a large house. And there are things that are set apart for special purpose and common use. And I think the lie of the enemy is to say, well, that person is set apart for special use. I'm just, I can't, I can't figure out how to get from A to B. But here it is. The word of God gives us a clear path to that place. I love this verse. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special purposes, some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work for him. Those who cleanse themselves by one sacrifice, we have been made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy... Positionally before him, you are fully righteous. But it's those who cleanse themselves, set themselves apart from the temporal pleasures of this life are going to be the ones that are going to be used for special purpose. This is what she's saying. Who will say yes to him? The reality is some will say yes and some will say no. Flee from evil desires of youth. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace those who are the ones set apart for special purposes, those who flee the things that rob, the things that dull us down, the things that just that, that just numb us to the current condition of the world around us that needs Jesus so much. I'm guilty, we're all guilty of this. There's bombardment against us. The spirit of this age, but there's invitation from God, and I just don't resist him when he calls. If this morning he's calling and he's, he's saying, Those areas that are robbing, come, lay them at the altar, lay them at his feet. He's, he's faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us of all, right, all unrighteousness when we confess to him. Who is like him, perfect in righteousness, who's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness when we just simply confess? When we come to him and lay it down before him. If you're like me this morning, I encourage you, don't resist him when he's calling you. There are certain things that can't go into the next season of God with us. Even the permissible things. And if that's you, if he's touching, I encourage you to say yes this morning. Be set apart for a special purpose in his kingdom.